All right, welcome back to post-Northern Wisconsin Muskie Opener episode of Backlash Podcast. We're going to kind of talk a little bit about that today. We're going to have Brad preview what's going to go on or what he's thinking from Minnesota for this week. And we're fresh without a guest, mostly because holiday weekend, it was, I mean, Brad's been really busy. I've been really busy. We kind of get tired of talking about every single week. So a lot going on. And so it's just been kind of a, a rush, and now it's uh, Tuesday at 2.15. I can't say that we've ever recorded one later than this. I mean, there's possible, but we're really, really pushing it this week, Brad. Yeah, that's kind of typical on our schedules, I guess, Jeff. But unfortunately, you're the guy that's going to have to sit there and get the editing done and make sure it looks good, sounds good, I should say, more than look, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to see us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, we're going to get it out, and that's the main thing. And uh, I know it's down to crunch time, but might be a little shorter than normal. But uh, we're in the fishing season, so the wildness is going to start now. Yeah, absolutely. That means like 2 a.m. podcasting times again, back old school style. Yeah, those are the fun times, though. Yeah, those that was OG, old school, old school right? I mean, that's... <laughs> Uh, the dumb stuff we did in the beginning, it feels, it feels so long ago, even though it's really only been three years, but I mean, it feels like it was forever ago, but I can just think of some of them we did with, uh, you know, Seifert and, and some of those episodes we did where, you know, I think we did one with Pia, Chris Pia from Lunge and Lures. It was almost like an hour and 50 minutes long or whatever. And I'm just like, I must've done a terrible job editing that one. It must've been like, lay it down add some intro music, add some outro music, call her good, because there's no way I edited an hour 50 long, 50 minute long podcast. It just would never happen anymore. That's funny. Yeah, we've uh, we've had some long discussions, that's for sure. And I think sometimes we even have longer discussions that maybe don't make it all the way to the recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's part of the podcast thing. I mean, even here, you know, what do we, what do we burn up? Like 15 minutes just ch- chatting about different stuff and you know, and then there'll always be something at the end that doesn't end up on a recording. So yeah, it's definitely a totally, it, what, it, what you hear for the half an hour to 45 minutes to an hour and 10 minute podcast is, it's a lot longer process than that. So it's, it's good and bad, but anyways, so moving on, uh, let's see here, Brad, we opened up the season this past weekend in Northern Wisconsin. It looked like there was you know, mixed results, you know, as far as fish being caught, as I, figured I had a few friends that asked me what I thought about Green Bay and I said there will definitely be fish still in the river and I don't feel like there's an insane amount of them but I felt like there was more than last year because last year things warmed up very quickly this year it looked like it was going to be that way but then we had that you know that dramatic I don't want to say it's a cool down but things basically went nowhere for two weeks and so I was fairly confident that there was fish in the river and there was I saw some fairly nice fish being caught sounded like uh blades were you know the thing again so if you're you know it's i mean it's tuesday you could still go enjoy that bite i guess for a few more days i don't this warm-up that we're on right now i'm pretty sure that you probably have a week maybe a little longer to get them in the river and then then they're going to be out of there and and it's anybody's guess so when you find them in the middle of june you'll be one of the very lucky anglers that will do that because very few people will even target them much past say the 10th of June or so, maybe. But anyways, my season started on Thursday. I got out in technically in the southern Wisconsin zone. I was fishing with Jeff Hansen. We went down to Madison. One of our listeners and TRO customers, Andy, 
he had invited me down. He wanted me to come fishing with Herbeck last year, and that would have been an awesome time. I would have loved to have fished with Herbie, but it just didn't happen. Last year we were too busy, and then even technically this time we were too busy. But I wanted to I wanted to get down there to to fish with Andy since he had asked me a couple times. And Andy, uh, thank you very much for you know inviting me down. It was a good time fishing with you. It was it was uh you know it was fun. I had I had a good time. Hopefully you did as well. You got to you know BS with me and Jeff for the day. But anyway, so we'll kind of recap that a little bit. So uh, fishing I wouldn't say was amazing, but it wasn't terrible. We got so. I lost one on a rabid squirrel, Brad. So there's a there's a plug for you. Lost one early on a rabid squirrel. I uh, set the hook. Bait came flying back at me. Just a nipper. Um, Jeff said he saw it. I ne- I never saw the fish. I was too busy dodging my bait on its way back to me. And then uh, so I got we I lost that one early on. Caught a couple bass on a soul searcher by Mangarang bait. That was a pretty cool bait that I had been playing around with. A uh, little crankbait. We had them for you know briefly on the website. If you have a chance at checking one out, it's nice because it's for a, a small crankbait. It doesn't rise particularly fast, which is one of those things. A lot of those those crankbaits, they pop up in the water so quick. This is more like X-Rap style from Rapala. So that was, that was cool to play with that bait. I didn't get any fish on that one other than bass. The bass were really enjoying it. And then I developed this new technique. It's called reach down, grab your Mountain Dew, have a musky hit at both sides. So we'll talk a little bit about that. That was... Uh, Jeff had me switch up to twitching a, a different crankbait, the 7-inch crankbait, and I I went through my figure 8. I think I went through like twice, but then I never pulled the bait out of the water, so I'm just reaching down to grab a drink, and <laughs> this freaking fish just rockets up and smashes it, and I managed to catch it. You know, I guess it pays to be, uh, you know, it's better to be lucky than good, and in that case, I was definitely lucky, which has got to be the case for me anyways. I, I told Jeff, I said, in order for me to catch a muskie today, it's going to have to be a no-doubter. Like in, and that one just wanted to commit suicide on it. So that was good. Got to uh, put that muskie in the net. And then Jeff caught one. I can't remember what the heck Jeff caught is on. Anyways, Jeff got one too, a smaller one. Unfortunately, Andy, the only person I cared about getting a muskie in the boat, did not get one that day. But um, based on his uh, perseverance, I'm certain that he will be putting muskies in the net this season. And so that was kind of how my season started and that was good it was a good start to the season and then brad how did friday night go for me since you know i've been rambling for four and a half minutes why don't you tell me how friday night went for me (laughs) well why don't why don't we do this first jeff i want to know did you film this whole thing that you were down there doing i mean i did kind of run cameras but it wasn't really that wasn't it was andy's day right he invited me down so I didn't want to like take too much time to take time out of his day. I mean, he still had a guide trip booked with Jeff. I was just the guest basically. So for me, I didn't do a lot of filming. I have some filming stuff. I don't know if it will ever make it to YouTube, mostly because I don't even put out YouTube videos anymore, Brad. I'm not you. You're Mr. <laughs> Videographer. I'm not. I want to be because it's fun. I actually <laughs> like it. But first off, the muskies need to cooperate. Second of all, I need to find time to edit it. Because I've talked about it before on the podcast, every single production thing that comes from me, whether it be content, videos, podcasts, whatever, I do it all. Like I'm not trying to say that I'm great. I'm that stupid. I have to put it all together. You know, Brad, you do you do the same thing. Your mayhem's ten thousand casts. How many hours did you know you put together? You know, what is it? November, December, January, whenever you were editing it. I mean, 
you were dedicated to that stuff days and days and days at a time to put those episodes together, you know? It definitely takes time, Jeff. There's no question about it. But, you know, it's something that I do truly enjoy, just no different than you. And I think at the end of the day, it's all worth it, right? But, uh, and I think a big portion of that is just the learning that I, I somehow seem to learn something every time I get on the computer like that. It's all good, man. That, that's part of the gig. Well, not only that, not only the learning aspect of it, but I mean, you do really capture some pretty cool moments that you wouldn't get if you didn't have, you know, the video part running. I mean, I've had, you know, fish come up and I'm sure you had it come up where they shake literally at, you know, boat side or they hit right at the boat and you get all that, that cool stuff. So, I mean, you just get cooler pictures, cooler video. It's, you know, for anybody that doesn't do it, I would recommend it, but it is, I mean, that part takes time too. Not only just the editing part after you're on the water, but like when you're there on the water setting up all your camera gear and you know making sure your batteries are charged and your memory cards are clear and then once you're off the water you got to offload the footage i mean so there's a lot of time involved as you know brad i mean it takes a lot of time definitely does uh i think uh i think it's appreciated though and that that's why i guess i brought it up you know i wanted to know if uh, we were to expect something that uh maybe we would see on youtube but but i get it i totally do because you you hit it on the head it's a time crunch and it's it's demanding and i think uh you probably potentially would have uh taken away from his day that's for sure yeah like i said I, that wasn't i was the guest there so i ran him i put i had my hat cam on in case we got something cool there and then i ran the big camera on the couple of fish or though for sure the one fish that jeff got you, you might see it somewhere online, but that's nothing I'm planning on putting out. So that was, that was Thursday, you know, and it, you know, I've said it a million times before in that Madison chain, Jeff is just so dialed in on fish. It seems like he's always, you, you know, you go down there and it's not like you're like, Oh, we're going to struggle. I mean, it's, he's dialed in and he's got it figured out. So I knew we would have some shots. It was just a matter of, you know, how many we were going to get. And I, I told Andy before, I said, just so you know, when Jeff and I get together, we either catch a bunch of muskies, you know, as in multiples or up to 10, or we catch zero muskies. There is that too. And we, it happens to us on occasion. It didn't happen. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. Even though he is dialed in, you know, sometimes, you know, his, his clients for the day, me, aren't very good and they lose fish. <laughs> well, it's part of this game. That's for sure. So you never expect to make sure that you, you know, the wish is that you always get fish, but it doesn't always work that way. That's probably why we all truly enjoy this sport. Yeah, that's for sure. And so then, Brad, we, we moved to Friday night when I'm getting ready to go up north. So in typical TRO fashion, you know, I said to my wife on Thursday, because like I said, I would, I was, we've been busy and then Thursday I was gone and then I've been coaching my kids' baseball team and that's been taking more time than I anticipated which is fine. I'm having fun doing it, but it's, you know, it's time consuming. But anyway, so I didn't have any of my gear together so far this season. I I think I mentioned it before on the podcast, my wife's regular job, she's very busy at a regular job. So I've been mostly stuck with, you know, all the TRO duties and trying to keep up with everything. It hasn't left any time for getting my boat ready. So I started to get my boat ready on, I don't know, Friday afternoon. I'd say it was four. Cause like I said, I'll back up a second. I'm kind of rambling. Anyways, Thursday, I said to my wife, I said, oh, I should have plenty of time. I'll, I'll finish up whatever orders we need to on Friday morning. And I'm like, it's we're going into a holiday weekend, so it should be not that big a deal. TRO should be pretty slow. I mean, it's 
Guys should be getting ready to go up north, getting ready for their seasons, you know, thinking about all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, that didn't happen. We got blown up on orders, and that's good. I'm not complaining, but it definitely delayed my day. So I uh, got all my gear ready. It's, I don't know, 6.30. Okay, I got to check the trailer tires, and I wanted to run the motor before I got up north. And so I go to run the motor. That's perfectly fine. All right, just check the trailer tires. And then, well, I noticed that somewhere along the line last year, I lost a bearing buddy. And now I'm scrambling because it's about, oh, let's see here, 7.35. So most of the places in town, when I say town, that's like Appleton, not Shiacton, because Shiacton wouldn't have any place that I'm going to be buying anything to fix a trailer tire. And I'm racing into town and then I'm dialing up Brad going like, hey, Brad, um, Usually if people need electrical work done, I'm pretty handy with that. I'm kind of a mechanical dude, but I'm like, I don't work on trailers and I don't work on boat motors and that kind of stuff. So Brad, uh, what am I going to do here? And Brad to the rescue is like, okay, you know what size you need? I'm like, yep, I was smart enough to know that. And he's like, all right, you should hopefully be able to get one at Fleet Farm. I think they have bearing buddies there. Of course, Fleet Farm didn't have one. So I'm damn near running around the place looking for one because... I'm trying to get up north yet. And finally, Menards came through, and I had to go and, uh, you know, do myself a little bit of trailer work before I got up north. It's, so I guess what I'll say, you know, make a very long story short, is if you haven't checked over your trailers, do so. Because it's saved me twice now. It saved me once with my big trailer going to Minnesota show, and it saved me now here. And both times, I don't know how, I've gotten so freaking lucky that I've been able to find the parts in the nick of time, basically, to get out of town. I mean, it's I couldn't ask for a better scenario as far as that goes. It's been unreal that I've gotten so lucky because everything's out of stock, it seems like, these days. Yeah, you know, the remarkable thing, Jeff, uh, fortunately, most of these manufacturers make stuff that uh, is somewhat convenient to get, you know. But I would say this, if you needed, like, a, a hub for a Ranger trailer or something, you might be in trouble, you know. <laughs> A lot of that stuff has been backordered. I've heard from different people, and and you're right. You know, I I guess I've been kind of dinking around in my boat for weeks now, um, trying to get everything kind of put together for the season, and uh, I'm kind of not sure where to go or what to do this season right now for our opener, which is in three days, and uh, I was generally thinking about trolling like I normally would, but. Honestly, our fish are still spawning over here in Minnesota. I can't speak for the southern range, but pretty much mid-state north, I've heard tons and tons of people talking about spawning fish. So I, um, I'm kind of going to have a whole mixture of stuff that I'm going to put in my boat and get prepared for, but no difference than you. Uh, time is always uh, of essence, and it's not always easy. But fortunately, probably a couple months ago, I, I did my bearings and uh, made sure all that stuff was good. I've checked my batteries and things like that. So I think I'm set that way. But um, fishing-wise, I don't know. Let's shift gears into that. I, you've got a bunch of time on the water. I, I was able to spend some time down in Ohio. I went to Iowa earlier this year. That was kind of a bust. But uh, I've had some fun in the South Range. I'm anxious for this season, but I think it's going to be a little bit of a rocky start. Well, I hope that you do better than I did for opening weekend, because for me, it wasn't that great. I mean, quite honestly, it was terrible for the most part. If you're into pike, you know, I was able to find some of those, but 
I don't know, Brad. So I went up north and I was solo. Obviously, I fish solo quite a bit. I actually don't mind it. In the early season, though, I kind of mind it a little bit more just because I don't have much to go off of. You know, those fish aren't, I wouldn't say, in more predictable locations. Well, I don't know. I don't. I actually don't even know where they are right now. I didn't say I had, let's see here, one, one or two follows, which was, you know, that was all right, but it wasn't... Uh, you know, it wasn't great as far as that that's concerned. Did I even have one or two follows? I had one. I had one follow. Sorry. So, yeah. So, I mean, for me, you know, trying to find a muskie was a difficult thing. It was, I I planned, okay, so I'd gotten a message much like you that, you know, if there was still muskie spa- spawning up north. I had heard from uh, Jake from Smitty Baits, and that was clear water, though. I was like, all right, so my plan is now to fish darker water would have, smaller bodies smaller darker bodies of water there's like a handful of them up there by me and those fish should potentially be done spawning and so i found water temperatures at like 60 degrees and that to me is like i don't know at that point brad i wasn't sure what to do i mostly went shallow because i was like well i don't know are these fish just done spawning they don't all spawn at the same time are they you know, are they still up shallow? Are they still, are they out deep re- recuperating? It was very, I don't know, it it was playing mind games on me, which is, you know, that's musky fishing, right? I mean, mind games are part of the gig, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I mean, I, you got to remember one thing too, and I think a lot of people forget about this, but not all fish are spawning at the same exact time, right? It isn't like it's a two or three day process, so you're going to have batches kind of spread out everywhere. And I would generally, I mean, we talked a little bit, I think Saturday when you were out on the water and I definitely am going to spend some time in some open water because usually the males will be the first ones to show up out there and you'll end up with a few smaller fish, but I'm definitely going to have both casting and trolling equipment in the boat because I want to know, you know, I'm going to check it all out, right? I want to spend a couple of days just looking and seeing what's happening. Did you mark many fish with your side imaging or anything, Jeff? I didn't when I was in shallow. I marked a couple that were out deeper. So I didn't, I wouldn't say I spent all my time in shallow. I definitely did have some trolling gear with me. Since it was just me, I could only run one bait. I didn't go big like Brad would suggest I do, though. I was moderate. I was in that, like, middle range, mostly, like, six to eight-inch crankbaits. I didn't spend a ton of time on it. I don't know. It's weird, Brad. Like when I used to troll a lot, I used to feel like I could catch them every single time I went out trolling. I could at least get, you know, a shot at one or two, you know, whether it be, whether we get them to the net, I don't know, but you know, how that goes. Sometimes you win, win them, sometimes you lose them, but I always felt like there was a shot. And now in the last probably like four or five seasons, I spend way more time casting. And so now it's like, my confidence in my abilities to troll have gone down, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it's it's always a struggle, and you said it a little bit ago, you know, you kind of uh, mind-screw yourself at times, but, you know, I, it, the bottom line is staying positive, and when things aren't going really well, it's a struggle. Mentally, it's a struggle. You you don't fish as hard, I think, sometimes when when you are mentally struggling, you know, so keeping fresh and keeping a, just a a good attitude will definitely improve some of that too for you. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this opener, like I said, but I I do think I'm going to struggle too, Jeff. It's going to take a little bit to figure out exactly what we need to do. 
Yeah, I won't disagree. And like I said, hopefully you figure it out. I'm sure you'll have a, a handful of people up to fish with you this weekend, right? Uh, it's going to be a little bit quieter opener. Uh, Seifert usually comes up here for opener. Um, he's heading up north, actually. So I don't know. We're we're going to see. I, I know there's a f- couple guys coming, and we'll be in multiple boats. And so it'll be interesting, you know, and, and we can attack it that way as well, right? So I know Stuart Mays is coming up, and he'll be on the water, and I'll be on the water, and then there's a few others that I know that will be in the area. So hopefully between all of these boats and just networking, we'll be able to dial something in quicker. Well, I will say maybe I made a mistake in some cases. I didn't network at all because I just, you know, okay, so I went up north. My my family had other things they needed, they wanted to do, graduation parties and stuff like that, and I didn't know the people that were graduating that well. So I, I went up north. I had all weekend by myself, and I kind of just used it to just get away, get on the water, you know, have thoughts to myself, and just kind of, you know, I guess recharge a little bit. You know how that is. Sometimes even when you're struggling on the water, just being on the water is – it's a good, you know, it's a good way to just, re, you know, start start fresh, right? You know, you get out there, you clear your mind. All you're really thinking about for the most part is just how to catch fish. And so I didn't network with anybody. So I had didn't talk to anybody previously about what was really going to go on. I didn't talk to anybody that was on the water. So I didn't, you know, networking is very important, especially if you have a good network of guys that can help you out. And especially early season, because like I said, you know, these fish can be, found shallow deep and somewhere in between right i mean you've heard it a million times and that's certainly the case right now and i think maybe i don't know it's possible i just spent too much time shallow like i said i did spend a little time deeper trolling i never really fished that mid-range stuff i was either it was like my boat was in six feet casting you know darn near to shore or my boat was in you know 12 to 25 feet out in we'll call open water depending upon you know, what the deepest water was even available. Like most of the lakes that I fish, 25 feet was max depth. And that was partially by design. You know, one day I wanted to fish a bigger body of water, but then the wind was blowing so hard. And I just had my little lund up there that I was like, nope, I'm going to go, you know, kind of tuck off a little bit and, and be shallower. So at least Brad, you won't have that to worry about with your ranger. You'll be able to be free and clear to go wherever you want. But I don't know, does Minnesota even have that many like smaller musky lakes to even, you know, go hide in? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's tons of different bodies that I can go explore and play with, but I am probably going to go to a clear, deep basin lake, you know? And the reason I'm going to do that is because that's generally where I spend my time guiding. And so I'm going to start putting things together before I start uh, getting clients out on the water. I mean, that's, to me, they need to know that I'm on fish and, and in the right area. So I need to utilize my time in that aspect at least. So Brad, I'm, I'm guessing the answer to this is yes, but do you spend a lot of time with bucktails in the early part of the season? Cause I mean, typically I'm more of a, well, I mean for this weekend I was throwing shallow rubber. I was throwing glide baits. Uh, I was doing a little bit of twitch baiting and then I did throw like the baby rabbit squirrel, like the five inch single bladed rabbit squirrel for a little while. And how much time do you put on bucktails in the early part of the season? Do you spend a lot of time with it, or are you usually looking at different presentations? Yeah, I'll definitely use some bucktails right out of the gate. Um, And the reason I do is they're so efficient, right? So you can cover a lot of water with them, and you can 
relate to the speed that the fish actually want it. You know, I think speed of retrieval is so key, especially when, uh, when you're kind of going into this cooler water, you know, you can slow things down. You can speed things up relatively easily with a bucktail versus, you know, running a crankbait or doing something like that. But I'm definitely going to check out some of those areas where I know fish are spawning. And uh, from that spawning area, I'm going to go, you know, a little bit deeper. I'm going to see what the weeds look like from what I hear. And uh, it's pretty embarrassing, but I have not been on the water yet this year in the state of Minnesota. So that's a little bit different for me too. And normally I've been out a bunch and I planned on going this past holiday weekend. And unfortunately we just had storm after storm after storm. So I just spent my time in the shop and tried to get some other stuff done around here. But, uh, from what I understand, there is some good weed growth in some of our clear bodies of water. And if you look adjacent to where those grounds are that they're usually spawning, you'll see some fish, they stop and they visit those weed beds, right? So I'm going to spend some time there. And the neat thing about bucktails, you know, on this opening weekend is the weeds are generally not like over abundant and they're not as tall potentially. So again, it's all about efficiency in my opinion, you know? And so that's what I'm going to do. I will use some top water potentially, and this time of the year, I like more of a, like a globe style top water, something to think about for the opening weekends. And of course, you know, I know there's a ton of people. I've had tons of people tell me they're going to Malax this year because of how slow our spring has developed as far as water temps. And, you know, you're going to see a ton of those guys over there. They're going to be throwing a ton of gliders and no different than what you hear about a lot in Wisconsin as well. And I, I do think, you know, you can be efficient with that as well. You can work them fast. You can work them slow. There's, um, it's just takes that time to try to dial in exactly what these fish are looking for. And, and a lot of times faster is better because you're, you're not making that fish, you know, try to decide slowly. It's a re reaction bite at that point. Right. So I think that's critical. If you, if you're struggling to get fish to bite, sometimes speed can be used as a, a huge tool in the aspect of just making that fish respond to that thing going by really ultra fast. Right. And so think about some of that stuff, you know, you're going to cover a lot more water if you're burning bait. So something to think about. One other thing that I, I think we mentioned this in the podcast we did with Herbie was that last week, I believe. Yep. We talked about spinner baits and, and a lot of times on my opening weekend, for whatever reason, whether it be a tandem or a single blade, definitely something to consider as well. Uh, spinner baits can definitely play a big factor in these first, first week or two of the season for me. Oh, it's funny that you mentioned spinner baits, Brad, because that was one of the, the one presentation that when I was loading up my baits, I didn't, I didn't go through my old boxes. I basically was grabbing stuff that was fairly new to, I grabbed a few standbys, but I grabbed a few newer baits to play around with this year. seems like whenever I start the season, I'm always playing with different new toys and, you know, whatever. And I, I was doing some of that and spinner baiting. I got out on Saturday and it was like, that was the one thing I was like, if I'm throwing up a shallow and I was looking for, I was fishing a couple different reed beds that had, I'm assuming they were old reed, reed beds. They weren't new from this year. It didn't look like, cause any of the ones I snagged were all black. And I was like, man, I should have really brought myself some spinner baits. So that's a good call. 
And if you're getting out this weekend or any, I mean, any of the next couple weekends, it's probably definitely something to consider, Brad. So it's a good thing you brought that up. Yeah, I mean, now we can switch gears and we can start talking about trolling too, you know, and and one of the things that I know we've hammered this away for, for years on the podcast, but that's where, you know, you're going to start looking at your different crankbaits, right? And and don't get me wrong, there's times when I use, spin, uh, not well, I use spinnerbaits as well in my trolling aspect, not as much as I once did. And usually if I'm doing that, it's more of a structure type trolling. But if you're going to go out and play in the open water, you're definitely going to want to look at some supernatural stuff. Um, some of your larger crankbaits, I think, you know, it just calls up fish, right? And uh, again, speed can be a factor in that open water if you're doing the trolling game as well. I'm going to guess that we're going to be about a week away from a really good open water trolling bite, that's for sure. Um, and generally two weeks into that, our season is when it really starts to fire. Yeah, that puts you about the mid-June time frame, which is... It was funny because I was talking to Andy today, you know, Brad, you know, Andy and Andy Vyth from infamous musky tackle. I was talking to him and him and I were talking about doing some filming in Northern Wisconsin. And I was like, well, why don't we try something in, you know, right around mid June ish. I'm like, I'm told that there's a, you know, open water bite in a lot of lakes in, in uh, Northern Wisconsin then. And it's not a bite that I've ever really taken advantage of too much. I've played around with it a little bit, but it's definitely something that, you know, like you said, Brad, I'm, I'm going to consider here in the next couple of weeks, getting up there and, and doing a little bit of that. We got a little family trip thing, or I don't, I don't know if you call it a trip, kind of a trip. We need to fulfill my dad's final wishes on, let's see here, like the 10th, 11th, 12th or something like that in Tennessee. So we're doing a little long weekend down there. And then shortly after that, I want to come back and start hammering away on that open water stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm anxious to play around with that a little bit too and report back what I find out. Yeah, it's always amazed me. It doesn't seem like that that's really utilized over there that well. You know, just the different people that I know from northern Wisconsin, the open water is kind of forgotten about in some ways, and maybe I'm wrong when I say that, but just the people that I know from up in that area and talk to, it doesn't seem like it's really a targeted area, which to me makes it even more appeasing. Yeah, I won't disagree with you on that at all. And usually I would say like, you know, Wisconsin muskies, northern Wisconsin muskies, they seem like they don't get as much pressure. But holy cow, Brad, I I expected things to be maybe we'd say like, you know, pre-2020 levels as far as like anglers on the water. And it's possible because it was the opener and it was a long weekend that it, you know, and it was late. So maybe kids were out of school, but usually Memorial Day weekend isn't like, the busiest time up there, but man, there was so many anglers on every body of water that I fished. Like some of the smaller bodies of water, I would never ever see a muskie angler on them. And I saw three, four, five boats on fishing muskies this weekend. It was pretty strange to me because I'm that Northeast Wisconsin to me, it never really seemed like crazy pressure like it had this weekend, even during all the pandemic 2021, where everybody's on the water, 2020, same thing. It's it was the most pressure I've ever seen muskie fishing this weekend. Well, that's kind of wild. That's uh, kind of a neat report, honestly, Jeff, because, you know, when we had talked to Goldberg not too long ago, I think with gas prices and everything else, it just seemed like things were kind of slowing down, you know, at least out east. So who knows? I mean, I, I hope everybody continues to fish. I think it's important that they fish. And obviously with our businesses, Jeff, it, it, we want them to fish, right? Right. But uh, 
Oh, that's interesting. It'll be interesting this weekend too to see here in Minnesota how many people are out playing. And I mean, for the most part, I haven't seen a slowdown in travel. I mean, it seems like our traffic is so insane. So who knows? We'll see where this goes. I mean, Brad, much like you said, I I fully anticipated this weekend to be not really that busy. I was on one lake that I fished opener on a handful of times before. And literally, if I would spend the entire day out there, I would maybe see two other musky boats out musky fishing. And I probably saw at least eight when I was out there from, I was only on that water from like three o'clock until dark on Saturday night. I saw probably eight of them, which yeah, eight boats on a 400 acre lake, 500 acre lake doesn't seem like a big deal. And it wasn't, it's not like I was crowded, but I was just surprised that I saw anybody out there and let alone eight other boats doing it. And much like you said, I anticipated with gas prices that it would keep people from the Northwoods maybe a little bit more. And I'm happy to see them because like you said, both of our businesses depend on anglers getting out. But uh, I was, I guess, pleasantly or unpleasantly surprised that there were so many people on the water. Even jet skiers too. They didn't have any problems on Saturday. Let's see here. When it was it? Sunday now. My days are getting kind of confused because of the long weekend. But like even Sunday, the weather finally broke a little bit. The sun came out, so it wasn't so cold because, I mean, Saturday wasn't super warm. And there was jet skiers all over one lake I was on, and I couldn't believe it, you know. And it was, people are still out, and they're still about, they're still doing stuff. So that was good to see. We're going to have to still deal with jet skiers this year, Brad. <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to disappear. Uh, I think that gas is going to have to go above $10 a gallon for that to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope it doesn't get that far. I've heard some horror stories of... You know, guys filling boats and trucks at the same time, costing $300 in gas and all that stuff. And it's just, uh, it's just unreal. It's hard to believe, but we got to keep getting out of the water, right? I mean, that's, that's how, that's mental health, you know, end of it is worth it alone. Absolutely. There's no question about it. You can't stop living. So what kind of water temps were you dealing with, Jeff? 60. Everywhere I went was like 60. It was... I mean, I saw, let's see here, what day is it today? Today is Tuesday. So it must have been Sunday night on the smallest body of water I was on. I saw like 61, 62. That was the most I'd ever seen on any of those bodies of water. So it was like 59 to 61. It was very consistent on every single lake. I think I was on three different lakes, maybe four. So it was very consistent in that water temperature range, which, like I said, that that range for me is is difficult mentally and you just got to push through it keep trying different things you know looking back on it now and talking to you speed was definitely not something i i used if i was working a glide bait i still used speed as a trigger as much as you could within a glide bait but you know they're not a fast bait right so you'd give it a a pop pop kind of slow and then you go pop 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 real fast try to just get it to dance real quick obviously pauses you know were thrown in there and that was that's always a key for me but i didn't really utilize speed as a trigger and like i said sometimes that's just i guess a byproduct of being by yourself you kind of need to figure out what you're going to do and sort of stick to it because you don't i mean you don't know like have i not contacted a muskie yet do they not want this bait yet are they not in you know this area like there's so many factors into it that you're just trying to eliminate a couple of factors let alone trying to constantly change what you're doing and so it can be difficult it's Definitely more mentally challenging, in my opinion. I think what you got to do, Jeff, is you got to be as stupid as me. 
when I say that, I'm, what I'm talking about is I believe I'm going to catch every stinking cast, right? So I, I do think that there's something to be said with being focused too. You know, if you're really dialed in and you're concentrating on what you're doing, you definitely have an advantage as well. But uh, it's not always easy when things are like not going in your favor, right? But keep the chin up, keep I, working, and uh, it usually comes together. I will say, you know, usually you can tell, like if I'm in the front of the boat or in the back of the boat, it doesn't matter. If I'm in the boat and I'm fishing and I'm changing baits a lot, that means that my confidence is not probably where it's at. And for the the bulk of two days, probably, I really only fished maybe like three or four different baits. I tried a few different presentations, but for the most part, that was it. I mean, I was I was kind of dialed as far as that's concerned. I wasn't really flipping around, and I really did feel like a twitch bait was going to trigger at least a couple of muskies or a muskie or get one to follow or whatever. I did feel like that was a that was a presentation that was going to work. So it wasn't so much that my confidence was shaken. Like I didn't feel like I was going to catch one at all. And I was completely lost, but I do know what you're saying. Like you have to look behind every single bait, every single time after every single cast. Cause it's that one time that your focus is off is when the muskies are going to show up. Well, actually what I learned earlier in this podcast was what you want <laughs> to do, you come to your figure eight and you just kind of let it hang there and you reach for something to drink and you catch them. Well, That's what I learned earlier. It's funny you say that because on Friday or on Thursday when I was talking about them, I'm like, here, I'm going to write a new musky hunter article. So Steve Hiding has his dead stick technique where he talks about, you know, letting the bait rise up and, and everything like that. And I'm like, I'm just going to take it one step further. This is the Mountain Dew technique. You know, you go through your figure eight, you reach down, you grab your Mountain Dew, you let it sit there for just that extra second. And that's when the, the musky strikes. So there you go. Focus is not key. Mountain Dew is the key in this one. I know a few other anglers that uh, that drink tons of Mountain Dew while they're musky fishing. That basically, uh, I think that's what they're living on. I only had one can that day. That was it. Like I just needed a little bit of caffeine when I fished with Jeff. So again, you know, I talk about Team Rhino, and we were we were busy again on Thursday. That or no, we were busy again on Wednesday. Sorry, I'm I'm getting all my days mixed mixed up. I hardly even know what day it is now. And so Wednesday we were busy and. You know, like we were, I told my wife, I'm like, I want to be out of the shop by eight. Of course, I got out of the shop at like 9.30 and I got to get all my, you know, I got to get my stuff in my truck and take a shower, get ready to go in the morning because I need to be up at like 2.30 in the morning to go fishing with Jeff because he fishes from 5.15 till like 1.30. So the plus side is we're off the water. The negative side is I think I finally went to bed or finally fell asleep at like 11 or 11.30. So I get like two, two and a half, three hours worth of sleep to go down and visit Jeff. So you got to have the Mountain Dew. It's absolutely key when you go fishing with Jeff. For me, because I got to get up so early. I should just go get a hotel in Madison and then I could sleep in a little bit longer. But I never do that. I always end up driving down the morning of. And like I said, I got my alarm goes off at 2.30 when I go fishing with him in the summer. Yeah, it sounds like you needed a 12-pack of Mountain Dew. Would have been nice. I mean, I was able, for my first time on the water that day, though, I almost halfway impressed myself. I mean, I was feeling I was feeling a little bit of, you know, early season aches and pains a little bit, but I was able to power through. I was able to stay mostly focused. It was pretty good. I mean, usually when you don't throw a bait all, all season long or all off season long or whatever, and it's been six, seven months since you'd cast, there's a little bit more rust. I felt pretty good about that. 
I understand. I think uh, as we get older or whatever, too, <laughs> some of those aches and pains from fishing. And, I, you know, talking about Steve Hiding, I think probably a year ago, we were talking to him about what he does to prepare for the season. And, and that was one of his things that he had mentioned is, you know, doing some different exercises. So he is prepared in the boat. It's pretty amazing. I know what he's talking about and I understand it. So <laughs> I hear you. The aches and pains uh, don't go away as fast as they used to. That's a fact for sure. hundred percent. Speaking of Steve hiding, I'll give him a, you know, a nice little promotional plug. He's for anybody who's looking for more tips too. He's got this new YouTube channel out. So you go check it out. I'm sure if you YouTube Steve hiding, I'm, I don't know what it's exactly called Steve hiding musky tips or whatever. So you can, you know, learn a few tips from, from Steve, go check out his YouTube channel. It's, I mean, Steve's one of the best, right? I mean, he's been doing it forever, and so definitely a good guy to learn from. I should probably taken a, I should have probably, you know, taken a gander at one of his videos. Might have helped me out this last weekend. Well, the knowledge base is out there, right? And there's tons of information across the board, so people can find stuff wherever they look. It seems like nowadays, so that's a good thing, though. So, Brad, at the beginning of this podcast, we didn't usually do our normal plugs. I just wanted to let everybody know that if they need gear for this musky season, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. And, Brad, I sent you a pic just before we got on. It's been the uh, the Savage Gear Sucker. It's a new bait for 2022. It looks just like a real live sucker. It's got fins in the whole deal. It's a swim bait, so it obviously fits in the uh, category where a lot of people are throwing it. If you're looking for them, we have them. Hopefully we still have some left when you hear this podcast because they're going to make it on the website yet today. We do have good numbers of them, and we also have good numbers of them on that were on back order. So hopefully early part of June, they're supposed to ship the rest of that back order. If you're looking for big ones, we the 12-inch is a 12-inch model and 9-inch model. The 12-inch models we have less of, mostly because we are very unsure of what sales are going to be. There's a moderate sink rate and a fast sink rate. I'm assuming the moderate sink rate will be more similar to like a swimming dog type of deal. I'm assuming that will also be the most popular of the two models. So if you're looking for gear, check out teamrhinooutdoors.com. Brad, I sent a picture to you. What do you think that thing looks like? Hey, it looks really interesting. You know, Savage Gear has done a really good job of making some baits that really, truly look like, you know, the bait fish that muskies prefer. And I know the one bait that they had out that I don't know that that many people were using it, but it was the eel pout. What an incredible bait, you know, and, and now you're saying they got this sucker. You showed me a picture of it. I haven't thrown it, but it does definitely look interesting. I'm sure I'm going to probably have to get some just to play with them. Yeah, I would have played with them last weekend, but they just showed up today. Brand new. We've had them listed on the website for a while. Definitely a lot of interest, people interested in it. It's kind of got a through-wire construction, but not through-wire at the same time. It's got these magnetic clips in there that hold your harness together. So if a muskie or a pike will hit it, it will basically free from the bait. So you're supposed to lose less fish that way. We'll see. Interesting bait for 2022. Speaking of interesting baits for 2022... If you're looking for a new grenade, check out Musky Mayhem Tackle, Brad. I'm guessing that it won't be long and you're going to be firing off some grenades this season. So, yeah, you know, the new grenade has been incredible. And we're hearing about tons of fish getting caught down in the south. I know Chase Gibson's been using them quite a bit and putting some fish in the boat with it. Not only there, but uh, in northern uh, Michigan, 
we've had uh, some different people talking about catching fish on them. So that was intriguing. One of the interesting things about their grenade is we, some friends of ours from Wisconsin have friends from like New Jersey or New York or something, and they go on an annual trip down to Texas every year. These guys that, uh, that they know basically take muskie baits down to fish alligator gar in Texas every year. They were there for a week. I know one day they had 87 fish they had caught, and they were catching the crap out of these alligator gar with the grenade. So that was really cool to me. I, I thought that was awesome. It's definitely something that I've always wanted to go do. And now knowing that I could potentially do it with the, the new grenade, that makes it even more appeasing. So I might have to go check that out next spring. But uh, definitely something that we'll I'll be throwing here shortly. It performed for us last year flawlessly, so I'm guessing uh, I will continue to rack up some numbers on that this this coming season as well. Yeah, that's one of those seas- that's one of those toys I'll get out of the box here in a little while. I didn't feel like that was my early season uh, shallow presentation, though. Felt like I should be waiting a little bit to bust that one out. Yeah, I hear you, man. I mean, it's it's one of those things. If if those fish are on the deeper weed edge, definitely something that you're going to want to throw. But don't limit yourself there either because, you know, the neat thing is is with that heavier head on it, it will go through the weeds relatively weedless. And uh, the neat thing is is those blades engage like immediately. So if you're going to burn something in shallower weeds, it's another option. Think about that as well. You know, Brad, it almost busted out last season's, you know, sensation, the detonator, though. I, in looking back on, you know, you, when you when you get off the water and you're driving home, you think of a lot of things that you should have, would have, could have, right? Unless you had a really successful weekend, then you just think about how great the weekend was. But when you get your butt kicked, you kind of going home with your tail behind your, in your, you know, between your legs or whatever the expression is. And I was thinking, man, I should have busted out the detonator. I had a few of them with me because that bait for me was really solid in northern wisconsin last year yeah it's an incredible bay jeff and i i don't know it's one of my go-tos that's for sure it's put a lot of big fish in my boat um as well as small fish you know and and the cool thing about that is it just the more you use it the more it grinds and makes more noise and it seems like the fish just like it more and more as you continue to use it for sure. I'm anxious to put it to work again this year. Like I said, it did some good work last year and it'd be, um, it's fun. It's fun just to be back out now. We're not just talking about shoulda, woulda, coulda, if we are on the water, what we, what should we be looking at? You know, we have a full report of what was going on next week. I would imagine we will hear from Brad on what actually happened on the water for his opener. I think it really depends though. Sometimes we do get ahead of the game and we actually record these before that, but we'll, you know, we're going to want to talk to Brad about you know, what he saw in the water for this coming weekend, either we, you'll hear it next week or the week after. But it's really great to be out throwing musky baits again, not just talking about, you know, what it's going to be like when we're out throwing baits. Yeah, it always makes this podcast way easier during the season, Jeff. I think we've mentioned that before. And, you know, as we progress through the season, hey, we're going to be here. We're going to hopefully be able to give you guys some reports and, and give you some ideas not only from our mouths, but uh, some of the best fishermen out there in the industry. And, um, you know, as we interview these different people, it's amazing how much is shared. And I do think it helps the listeners put more fish in the boat. Yeah, I mean, this isn't our preferred method. You know, it's just short planning on our, you know, short week, short planning on our side. 
and it's just been one of those things where Brad and I are just going to BS about mu- musky fishing for a little while. And but typically, if this is your first episode, you know this isn't our style. We usually have a guest on that brings you know lots of information, certainly more knowledge than I'll bring to the table. Like I said last week or whatever it was, Brad brings the musky knowledge to the table. I'm the one that works hard to get it on on the line, so you can listen to it every week. That's just the way this is. Good team effort. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, Jeff. You catch plenty of fish yourself, so don't short your suit yourself. We work good together, that's for sure, and I I think all of the listeners can appreciate that. P- Pike and bass, that's what I catch, Brad. Pike and bass. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Get out of those spots, Jeff. If that's what you're doing, I, I recommend get away from that area. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that's something that I need to consider. You know, like I said, I go up north a lot. I wouldn't say a lot. I go, I get up there as often as I can, right? I mean, I do have a, a camper and a campground, so I have a place to go. And there's lots and lots of lakes there. And it seems like I tend to lean on, you know, four or five lakes more often than any of the other ones. And I, I think this year I need to break out a little bit, you know, play around on some newer water. And, you know, just see what happens when you do that. I mean, I'm not, I, I haven't played on new water in a while and I used to like to do it a lot. Now when it seems like when I have time to fish, it's just like, well, okay, I know I can go over here and have a shot at a fish. And you know, sometimes that's the fun part of it too, is just playing around on different water. Yeah, absolutely. I think exploring is a huge part of the sport. And I think we all neglect to do that. And I can honestly say as a guide, it's hard for me to leave some of the bodies of water that I'm really in tune with when I've got new clients, but every once in a while clients get in the boat and, or they, they call and say, where are we going? I would love to go try this lake or I'd love to go do that. And I look forward to that because, you know, it can be a little bit more challenging at times because you're not totally dialed in on what's going on at that particular body of water you know, it, it's kind of keeps you on the edge, right? It keeps you working at uh, striving to figure out different things. But the neat thing is too, Jeff, is that if something's working on a particular body of water and it might be three hours from my house, right? Um, it's probably going to work in my area too. You know what I mean? So that's the cool thing. I, I, I think a lot of people chase bites, meaning they heard that this lake is really hot right now and they show up there. And usually if you've heard that, it's probably already over. So, but if you can take what, what you heard and you know that they were doing this particular deal, you know, they were, they were on deep weed edges and they were creeping some sort of a bait real slow over that weed edge out to the deep, go take that to the other body of water that you're already fishing. And you're probably going to have catching there too. So definitely something to think about. Uh, It isn't always chasing the bite on a particular lake but it's the technique that got it done that you need to be chasing. Definitely wise words, Brad. Anyways, I got other stuff to do. I know that you have other stuff to do. We thank everybody for listening again this week. We want to also wish all the Minnesota anglers who are going to be kicking off their season this weekend the best of luck. We hope that you guys have an unbelievable 2022 season, as we do all of our listeners. But Minnesota's up next. It's your weekend. Hopefully you guys get out, make it a good time, and it looks like you know, hopefully you guys got some stable weather and I think that you do if it's similar to what ours is and uh, that's it. Just hopefully, hopefully everybody gets out, has a great season, a great start to the season. So thanks again for listening and we'll catch everybody with a new episode again next week. 